Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mirror, and I am also the Chris in the Chris and Carrie show. You might be wondering if there's a Chris and Carrie show, and you, Chris, are the Chris in the Chris and Carrie show, where's the Carrie in the Chris and Carrie show? And why is it only Chris in the Chris and Carrie show that's on right now without Carrie? Well, there's a very interesting story to that, but uh, I'm going to get on with it and let you know exactly why Carrie isn't here. Ah, gosh, dang it, Carrie. How did you get on here? I've been trying. Yeah, to everybody, it's Carrie from the Chris and Carrie show. Look at that. Uh, Chris, <sighs> Chris and I, I. First of all, I have to apologize. Chris and I got so excited about coming on and doing a show that I created an event and Chris created an event. So we had to merge the two of them. I'm, we may lose a couple of people, but uh, hopefully in the next five minutes or whatever, we'll, we'll get everybody back. So thank you so much. There's for a reason for that. Do you know why special. we both created that? Why? Because we were both excited? Well, we're both excited, but we're also created in the image of our creator, who is a creator. So naturally and instinctively, we're creative. That's very true. I like that yeah. idea. Awesome. So, so you know what? we <laughs> Didn't we do this? Like, I think it was July 31st, we had a celebration in which we cracked open some beers for uh, some sort of ultra virus sort of uh, uh, scenario. Didn't we do that? Yeah, I vaguely remember. <laughs> We've had a few beers since then. Um, I was, you know, although I hardly drink beer anymore because I'm old and my body doesn't like it. So, well, I'm I'm not as old as you are. So, I was going to crack open a Paps, but you know what? I'm going to crack open a Wa Rose Raspberry Ale because they're from Alberta. Oh. Yes. Gosh, dang it. You know what? All I have is this delicious Corona. Well, that was probably brewed in, not in Alberta. I think it's actually brewed in a Mexican's bladder, but who knows? And you can crack that open with a lighter. I still need to know that trick. Okay. All right. Anyway, cheers. Cheers to everybody out there. If you guys got a beer, please get a beer going. Because we've got a lot to talk about on why we're, why we're celebrating. Yes. Why are we celebrating? Why are we celebrating? Actually, you know what? Funny story. Yes. I've been busy at the cafe all day. I got up early, went in, made some buns because now the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta uses homemade fresh baked buns every day for their burgers. Wow. Awesome. And I made some cinnamon buns and then I worked a little bit and then I stuck around to get pizza ready for tonight. So my head was kind of, you know, in the, in the kitchen oh, yeah. and I get this message from you and I was like, or from Chris Barber, actually. Chris and then you after. <sighs> yeah, Chris was first. Yeah, you're right. Because so, actually, technically, I saw Eva's first. Eva's notice first. And then Chris is like right like a second later. It was the next It was the next tweet. And it was like, is this real? I have to go and look. What was the tweet? Tell me. Tell me what it was. No, oh, I can't tell you off the top of my head because now I have I'm to so actually broke, go back. I can't even pay attention, Carrie. Well, actually, I'll tell you what it was because I sent it to you. And I have to just go back and look in my messages. And it's not like you and I talk all the time. So we never actually know what I actually said. That's true. I've... And while Carrie's doing that, I'll let you know, we do have a guest on tonight. Yes. Um, somebody who <laughs> did something absolutely amazing, uh, which most Canadians want to do. And that is embarrass Justin Trudeau in front of the world. Um, so she's going to be on right shortly. I just saw her, her uh, pop on in the backstage here. There so she yeah. Okay, we'll get her. We'll get her up here. But yeah, yeah. like uh, Eva's Eva's basically said uh, major news. Uh, 
no no time stamp on this one. The Federal Court of Canada just ruled the big words, big words, because I don't, I'm, I've had a beer. Uh, invocation, invocation? That sounds good to me. Of the Emergencies Act, ultra vires. See, I even know how to spell that. Yeah, In other words, word. it was an abuse of power, which we've seen before, uh, discriminatory, unconstitutional, beyond the legal power of authority, unlawful, illegal, etc., etc., etc. That's a lot of etceteras. That was a oh, it was an amazing a bunch of etceteras. So and just to sum, sum this up, yes. um, it seems to me that what we were saying in the beginning was correct and that the government was overstepping, overreaching, um, and we had every justification to stand up for ourselves in many aspects of what happened over the last four years. But you know what? Carrie and I are uh, are not nearly as good at talking about this as some people. So why don't we bring on someone who really knows their shit when it comes to the law and what this all means. Awesome. Shall we? Yes. And it's she's evident. way more photogenic than we are. <laughs> well, true story. Um, I'm glad to see that you enjoyed that tweet and you had uh, some beer in you because I had a wine and I didn't expect nice. it. So here we are. That yeah. was that was amazing news. So how did how did you hear about it? Let's let's go back to that. How did you hear the news? Did did you somebody text you or what happened? Yeah. So I don't want to give all the details just to keep okay. a, little, a little bit secret. But I got the decision, and um, there was a few people on the chat, and somebody wasn't a lawyer, and so uh, the lawyer wrote, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that the federal court ruled that the Emergencies Act was ultra virus." And then yeah. the non-lawyer wrote, "In English, please. What does that mean?" <laughs> <laughs> when when I wrote that tweet, I was like, "I'm going to keep that in mind. I want to make sure everyone understands." That's that right. Yeah. And so I I tried to add a little bit more flavor and, and understanding to it. So. I'm glad it worked. Speaking of flavor and understanding, I want to just fill you folks in. For those of you who don't know, um, <laughs> this fine young lady that's joining us tonight also cross-examined our, uh, uh, I, can't, I can't even be sarcastic about describing him, <laughs> our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, yeah. um, during the Emergencies Act uh, inquiry. And I actually queued up this video because I will never, ever forget this. I actually burst out laughing when I saw this. So kudos to you for for, uh, for getting this out there. But let's watch that. Let's watch it. Yeah. How do I do this? That button there. Here we go. And something to do when, when uh, other options uh, were not effective. And you are aware? that the OPP, along with others, developed an engagement proposal and you were advised of that proposal at the IRG meeting on February 12th, correct? Um, it was a proposal, but we had, and it was presented to us, we had more questions uh, about uh, how it would actually work. Uh, there, it was not a complete proposal. My last question, Mr. Prime Minister, when did you and your government start to become so afraid of your own citizens? Look at that smirky little... And we are not. <laughs> oh, man. Like Last a reasonable day. question. Uh, absolutely. It was. it was. You know, he got fake COVID and hid twice. 
And now I think he's going to get fake COVID and hide again. Well, we haven't seen him today, have we? No. Well, actually, yeah, yeah, somebody, somebody, uh, there was a report of the, uh, uh, is it Alex uh, from Rebel News? She chased him down in the uh, the red S or uh, the black SUV and he was just running off and that was it. Didn't even, didn't even say a thing. Yeah. He doesn't like, uh, he does not like Rebel at all. No. Actually tried to legislate them out of existence. Yeah, I don't think he likes some Canadians. Let's face well, there it. is that. There is that. Yeah, he only yeah. he he only dislikes thirty nine point nine seven million of us. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. some people that still As appreciate it- Justin Trudeau. Yeah, good for them. Whatever, you know, to each their own. Yeah. So, so, do you want to give us a little bit of background to that? What 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 led up to that? Was that prepared? How did how did that come about? Yeah, nothing about that whole inquiry was prepared, just very similar to the uh, convoy itself, the protest itself. It was, you know, chaotic times on both. Um, Not too many lawyers, number one, put them put their hand up to do something like this. And it was it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced to cross examine somebody for 10 minutes is not how we do work normally you cross-examine somebody for like half a day a day a few hours 10 minutes that's what I had and you know Brendan Miller did such a great job I say it every time every opportunity I have with all these other um, ex-witnesses in a very short period of time but what happened was getting to your question Chris is that we had all the evidence in we had all the evidence from all the police authorities and all of the higher up bureaucrats and officials that nobody asked that the emergencies act be invoked because that was a line they were telling the media and canadian public and uh all the evidence we had was that um crime went down that um CSIS in fact said don't invoke the emergencies act so we had all this beautiful evidence to clearly Yes, that there was no reason for the Emergencies Act. The criminal code had enough in it um, for the government and police officials to use. So when we got to the day before the prime minister, uh, we wanted, like our client said, we want this coming from the Canadian people at this point. And um, Brendan Miller is an excellent litigator and excellent at getting evidence out. And, you know, uh, he he was trying to wrap his head around how can I, on as a lawyer, ask on behalf of people that uh, didn't have an opportunity to be heard. And what a lot of people didn't know is I was really involved. I was at the protest and I was beside Tamira and Keith Wilson and Chris Barber the whole time. But I was kind of behind the scenes and nobody knew, which was great. So I, I really had a lot of um, the secondhand knowledge and I saw so much and I felt what happened at the protest. And I heard all these stories of everyone saying how beautiful it was and how it brought everyone together and how they can't believe the government didn't listen to them and they just wanted to be heard. And I'm like, I think I, think I can do this for everyone. And so we shifted it and uh, I had the opportunity to ask him these questions. And really it was on behalf of all the Canadians that yeah. weren't hurt. So we wanted to know, but the commissioner didn't like that. Did he? 
Well, you know, the person that, so people get confused a little bit sometimes, and I don't know if this was your question, but the person that objected was Trudeau's lawyer. It wasn't the commissioner. So when he said that's an unfair question, that was his lawyer. And uh, if you're ever, if you ever have legal counsel and your counsel says, I object, you stop. Um, but you see, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, had to respond anyway. Yeah. Which, like we're not scared. Room. We weren't scared. We weren't. We're not. Yeah. I wasn't. We weren't. Yeah. 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 After that, there must have been a ruckus in the gallery or something like that because the commissioner said something like, "If there's any more trouble from that area, you'll be expelled." Like you know. But yeah. th this kind of brings up another question. We the federal a federal court just declared that the use of that piece of legislation to trample protesters and shoot reporters with tear gas canisters was ultra which means it was outside of the scope of the act of the legislation that allows those powers, right? Because from what I understand, anytime the government is going to take powers that they wouldn't normally have, there has to be legislation behind it that backs it up. Otherwise, it's illegal, right? Yeah. If and I like the word illegal. Because that is, in fact, case, and sorry to, to jump in here, Chris, because it's so important for Canadians, I think, to understand the only time an elected official can do something uh, is if they have the legal authority to do yes. it. So in Thank this you. case, they did it like that's what he said didn't have the authority to do it. So therefore, it was illegal. And we shouldn't be afraid to use that word because that's, in fact, what it means. That's a that's a great word. That your word's been thrown in my face so many times with yeah. me pouring coffee. That's illegal, Chris. Serving a hamburger. That's illegal, Chris. So when I see the government doing something illegal, I'm all over it. But my my question is, if the court, the, a federal court, declared this, what the hell happened at the emergencies inquiry? Yeah. The commissioner just failed to recognize that that was uh, an illegal act uh, from government. So this, we tried as hard as possible to get this message out um, before we went into the Public Order Emergency Commission and after. Um, when the Emergencies Act was created, because it used to be called the War Measures Act, and it, right. coincidentally, incidentally, um, Justin Trudeau's father was the last to invoke it under the War Measures Act. And people weren't sure if that was that that was the right thing to do at that time. So as a result, all of the MPs had an opportunity to debate, how are we gonna change this? What are we, we gonna do? And what's interesting and important for Canadians to understand is that the NDP said that when we're gonna change this legislation, we want to ensure that the government doesn't go you know, bonkers again. And we want to ensure that there's an inquiry provision where there's going to be um, a commissioner appointed and everyone has an opportunity to give evidence and there's going to be a report. Um, and so that was in the Emergency Act itself, this inquiry. What we tried to get Canadians to understand, it, it, it didn't actually have any um, like legal teeth. No the, teeth, yeah. No, the judge was a federal court, I think actually a court of appeal judge in Ontario. But during that uh, commission, he was just the commissioner. He didn't have the authority of the federal court or anything like that, or the court of appeal. So it was meant to be an investigative process. And we, you know, we hoped that at a minimum, he would recognize what the evidence said. 
honestly, a year ago when we heard that decision, we were all a little bit in shock because there, like I said, there was no evidence to like from the police. Everyone said it's not justified and they just kept making things up and changing the law. And it's, it was, it was really a tough, um, commission to sit through as a lawyer because you're like this isn't how the law works you're just changing the recipe as you're making a cake you can't do that mm -hmm. um so i was very interested to see what the federal court said and so in this case this is always an opportunity for canadians to hold their government to account so whenever the government makes a decision it's a short period of time, but you have 30 days to do what's a judicial called a judicial review. So it's not a statement of claim. You don't have to say, I have damages like you would if you uh, were hit in a, a car accident or mm -hmm. if it's a landlord-tenant dispute. Then you have to show, okay, I've lost $10,000 in damages. In a judicial review, you go to the court and you say specifically, the government has done something that I don't think is right. Um, I think they've gone over their limit. This isn't justified what they've done. And I would like the court to look into this. That's a judicial review. And that's what happened in this case. And some okay. of the things we've seen over COVID were, in fact, judicial reviews, not a statement of claims that we're more familiar with. So um, that was there. It was filed within 30 days of the Emergencies Act being invoked. So we're talking like February 14th, 2022. Mm -hmm. And there were discoveries and the, the uh, you know, the lawyers were doing all these motions behind the scenes. And what a lot of people I think don't know, because that was kind of just a regular court thing. But with the Emergencies Act, uh, the applicants, so the lawyers for the people that challenged the Emergencies Act, they said, hey, there's all this evidence from the Emergencies Act Commission that we didn't get in this court hearing. We'd like to introduce that into this co federal court case. And there was a bit of like wranglings about that. But in the end, my understanding that is that a pretty good majority, like a good chunk of information went in. And I think that really helped inform this federal court decision. So they kind of played, um, they helped each other out in the end, um, because in the federal court case, my understanding is from talking to some of the lawyers involved is they kept saying national security, we can't release this information. And in the Emergencies Act Commission inquiry, the, the inquiry, everything was basically given to the public so that was it helped this federal court decision in the end such a long process hey? i know i know and like even talking about it, it sounds long and boring and that's how it is sometimes so i've been trying to help canadians understand the better way to get effect change in this country is getting involved yeah talking to politicians, um, changing laws. Yes, not waiting for lawyers to, and like, look at how procedural and it, like, I hope you both didn't fall asleep as I was talking, but <laughs> it really isn't the simplest or the most clear cut way to see changes. So uh, a question comes to mind and it's a famous quote from a really uh, like amazing, really influential philosopher. But what does it all mean, Basil? <laughs> yeah, so I don't I don't remember, Carrie, if you read my whole um, first post, yeah. but I said, I don't know what this means for the government in that 
this was something I've been thinking since basically they the day they invoked the Emergencies Act and I knew they would be investigated for it. Yeah. Like this is at a minimum insanely embarrassing for the government. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't see um, Trudeau. That's what Lametti's Twitter account is gone. <laughs> Disappeared. <laughs> the Minister of Justice is MIA. Really? Uh, yeah. Like I, I don't, I, I think Andy Lee found that and that's just telling in itself. So they're, they're running or they're hiding or they're embarrassed. Either way, it's very telling. Um, what I think I hope Canadians understand, at least from this, is, you know, it's there's no reason to fear challenging your government. It could be a little bit bumpy rides. And, you know, a lot, some of us have gone through a lot more than others. But we have to be involved in this. Like, these are our elected officials. They're meant to serve us. These are not like some god and goddesses that um, you know what they're doing and are doing the right thing all the time they're just other human beings and we need to be cognizant but i think we could start calling upon a, a non-confidence vote i don't know if that's going to do anything i think politically it's incredibly embarrassing but that doesn't mean anything's going to change unless we demand and affect change ourselves too well from the comments people want that but I want to. I'm going to point something out. Correct me if I'm wrong. It it appears to me as if our legislators have built uh, parts into the legislation that actually protect them from being sued. Yeah, and so that's been around for a long time. And I'm with you. It sounds terrible, and I get it. Um, and how do you change that, Chris? We already talked about it. You have to get involved in, and be a politician and change it. But yeah. you need, you know, they're not going to do it unless we're basically demanding it. And I started to use that word a lot more. I think Canadians have been hesitant to demand changes and ask for serious accountability. If you're an elected official and you know that you're immune to liability, you know, it, you're going to do things maybe a little bit more haphazardly. We have to demand that they make those changes. And we, I'm going to remind everyone right now before I forget, we have a federal election coming. You have an awesome opportunity to talk to the, the federal nominees in your area, whether whatever party they are, and say, look, this Emergencies Act thing went a bit crazy. I don't think this was right. I think there should be some like like you're saying, protection for Canadians and they sh somebody should be held to account for this. Yeah. What are your thoughts? What are you willing to do? How much of your skin are you willing to put on the line here? And yeah. I think we need to start asking those questions instead of pretending it's just going to be okay or we're just going to live with this forever. Mm -hmm. So, first, sorry, Carrie, I know you had something to say, but just for some clarity, oh, what I'm saying is it doesn't mean that uh, they're Im immune or Im they have impunity for anything. I think the wording is something along the lines of any person from the minister down carrying out their duties to fulfill the minister's mandate in good faith yeah. uh, can't be sued, right? So there is some limits in there. Uh, yeah. but, and the reason I throw that out there is because there's a lot of people saying, hey, we need to lock them up. Let's throw them in jail. Let's sue them. And as, as much as I would love to do that, there are other avenues that we can pursue within the legislation that can have more immediate results and completely, you know, maybe not put these politicians in jail, but certainly uh, destroy their careers. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, like um, I know Brian Brian Peckford has been saying this a long time. Is if there's an ethics breach or any uh, like illegal activity by elected officials, they shouldn't be able to run again. I yes. Have- a very reasonable thing. So you don't even have to talk about bad actions in putting out public policy, but even personally being held to account for that. We're not even there yet. So maybe let's start talking about those things where they've clearly breached the law or illegally done something. Then, you know, there should be a stop to them running and holding public office. Let's start having that conversation. We don't want tyrants in office. Go ahead, Carrie. We had eight years of somebody as a tyrant that uh, should <laughs> ethics breach. I think you open up the Webster dictionary and there's Trudeau's face. I'm, I'm, a, you know, the downside with with this is that how do we get, how do we get him in front of a judge and jury in order to convict him or at least uh, have the conversation to say, look, what you did was wrong, and then where do we go from there? So like I was saying, I, I don't think the best place for all of this is before a judge injury or and and at some point, yes, I agree. Yeah. That should happen. But people have the power. This is about changing the law. Yeah. Uh, this is about having the if Trudeau uh, violated one, maybe two, three ethics bridges, like three strikes, you're out. Yeah. Uh, maybe even at once. So we wouldn't even have this conversation. He wouldn't have run again because he yeah. already violated the law before. And actually, Chris and I had a conversation about term limits and yeah. we kind of had a different opinion about it. And, yeah. you, you know, I've gone back and forth on this issue a lot. But the way you phrase the question, Carrie, is we've had eight years. If we had term limits of four years, um, like a term, for the top office in the province or the top office in the country like they do in the united states we wouldn't have this conversation it's already built in the system that he would again after eight years okay let's move on let's try something new that didn't work and we wouldn't have this conversation so this is where sure maybe if he's gone so far and i agree it's been bad um lots of problems have occurred but what is it that we would bring him to court over being you know a bit of a tyrant that's not really against the law you know there's no clause that says you can't be a tyrant there's no law for that yet yet exactly i love that attitude because how you create the law be like we need to get more involved and i know this it's the harder option, but I think it's high time Canadians really just started getting involved in the political aspect. The legal aspect is slow and long and really, especially for accountability of government officials, we have to put the laws in place first and then be like, okay, now it's so much easier to hold people to account. Yeah, Judge-made law is prohibitively expensive to achieve for a common a commoner like us. Now, there's segue after segue that we've come into here, uh, but let me just pull up this Grace's comment. Uh, Grace asks, are there any lawyers out there that are putting forward proposals for changing the laws? And I will answer yes. And this is a segue into a little bit of announcement that I have. Uh, So many of you may know that I am the lead plaintiff in a class action lawsuit against the Alberta government for the way they handled the pandemic and what they did to businesses in this province. What you may not know, actually what you don't know, 
is that Eva is my lawyer. She is my lawyer representing me against the province of Alberta. So there's that. One of. One of. Yeah, yeah. The firm that she's working with is Rath and Company with our friend Jeff Rath, the uh, one of the biggest, baddest bulldogs of law in Alberta. Mm -hmm. And Jeff is doing exactly what Grace is asking. Jeff is always putting forward proposals on what laws we need to change, how we need to change them. You can find that on his Substack. Um, you know what? I, I don't know exactly what the address is. Maybe someone can post it oh, up there. I've got it. Uh, but if you you can check out the website at uh, uh, rathacompany.com, and there's a ton of information. And his Substack is an absolute treasure trove of information on laws that we should be uh, getting behind, uh, making sure they get changed. So that's that's one little announcement. Um, there was a second one there, but I can't get, I can't remember it. So Carrie, Carrie did you find that Substack? Yeah. Oh, yeah. look at that. Easy enough. Right. And, and so I, can I clarify that a little bit too? Of course. Is Jeff is writing these Substacks and I think they're excellent too. And they get, I hope if people start reading them, I hope people can get behind these things. And then though, the thing is, that's just one voice. That's Jeff's voice that's right. who, I agree with you. He's a very interesting character and quite a bulldog, which is great. But he's one voice. And uh, what people can do, again, is get behind their elected officials and be like, hey, I read this thing and this makes sense to me. Maybe we should change the law. And you have to start bringing that forward. For the first time ever, I went to an AGM um, that was the U uh, AUC UCP AGM. And that's where policies are changed. So you don't have, so just to Grace's question, you don't have to be a lawyer to put these policies into place. Mm -hmm. Again, the power is with the people. You could get involved with your um, constituency associations, your political yep. uh, parties, and that's where you actually put in policies. But some lawyers are better at uh, giving ideas on what makes sense. And Jeff is certainly one that's excellent at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I can hear people saying, but the policies don't have to go into the legislature. We're working on that next, the, this next AGM. That's something that, that me and a, and a very large group of people are working on. Some policy that ensures uh, our, our, our policy resolutions and governance resolutions have an effect on how our MLAs behave, how they represent us as our voice in the legislature. So that is absolutely something that we're working on. These are all, you know, every time we talk about one of these problems, we always have to find a solution. And that's yeah. where we're at. We, we tell you guys what the problems yeah. are, uh, what we need to get behind and support. We put our brains together, we get to work and we get it done. And if we keep on chipping away at this little by little by little, we will change the political landscape in this province and uh, potentially in this country so that we don't have to go through these things again. One of the things that really pisses me off, uh, especially after having a conversation with my my friend Chris Lysak yesterday on his 50th birthday from Reman, where he's been for 707 days, the cost of accessing justice, the cost of fighting these things is so prohibitively expensive, it's almost impossible. And you might say, well, we have the Charter Rights of Freedoms, we have the Constitution, we have these laws that are designed to protect our rights. Yes, we do. But in these men's case, um, you know, their bill to represent them to basically prove their innocence or clear their name in the court of public opinion is almost five hundred thousand dollars each. Really? Each. Yeah. That yeah. has to. Well, if you think about it, 
you know, lawyers, they're not cheap, probably because they have to know a lot if they want to represent you good in court. So if you have the crown comes and dumps 500 or a thousand pages of disclosure on your desk two days before trial or a week before trial, well, you have uh, an entire law firm working round the clock, going through the disclosure, making sure that they can represent you properly so they know the facts. So we're talking about, you know, hundreds of hours of labor that it costs the average citizen to do these things. So, you know, we have to change some of the stuff. We have to have better protections for ourselves. And it doesn't matter if you agree with, you know, my politics around the COVID restrictions or if you even care about the guys that are in jail. Just knowing how much it costs us to to affirm our rights in a court should be enough to get anybody involved. And if we do get enough people involved, as uh, one of my friends says, if we bring enough people, we show up, we win. It's very simple. Yeah. So, you know, that's been an issue that the law society and lawyers have been talking about for a long time, access to justice as a lawyer, you know, I wouldn't be able to afford a lawyer. They, they, they have really prohibitive rates. It works great for corporations and things like that. And especially fighting the government, they have unlimited resources and people don't seem to understand that sometimes. And, um, thankfully the federal court may, uh, issued a really sound decision today i haven't read it all but a couple days ago they um made an announcement that pronouns and land acknowledgements were going to be made in uh, a court and a trans okay. person commented on it and they said well you know that might be good because it's going to make it more inclusive for people and i said sure maybe but I don't. I haven't personally heard that that's an issue. What yeah. I heard is an issue, and I'm hearing it on the call today and always, is that access to justice is incredibly expensive and slow. Maybe let's work on that accessibility and inclusivity part before yeah. we worry about the pronouns. Like people yeah. can't access justice, uh, and I'm with you, Chris. But we're not talking about these issues, and. Mm-hmm. I'll probably leave it here, but I, I love the way this conversation is going. And I th- I love that you guys are having these conversations because the other thing is, yes, it's about getting people together. It's about raising your voice and getting your message across. One example I've been giving over and over and over as many times as I can now is Mothers Against Drunk Driving. It mm-hmm. wasn't elected officials that are like, hey, people dying on the roads from drunk driving is a bad thing. No, it was mothers. They're like, That's not... Right one of my kids is going to die. They got organized, they made their voices heard, and then politicians listened. It's exactly what you were saying, Chris. Enough people show up, AKA, you make your voice heard enough that the poll is telling the uh, politicians what to do. Unfortunately, we're at a time where politicians aren't really leading. We used to have politicians that are like, this is what, we need to do, and you get the people behind you. They were principled. Yeah, where you have to make your voice heard. So now there's, and you can, so that's how much power Canadians have. That's how much power citizens have, but we just have to get organized and strategic and strong. And I think it's available, and especially now that people have recognized how many problems there are, they're like, hey, I need to do something about this. Yeah. 
there's a, a, an overwhelming number of questions based on a group of four. And before we get to that, I, I just want to, I, we can't just jump right into that because even if we talk about the Coots four right this second, I think there's still the process. So we still are looking at an appeal process from the federal government, which we're hoping will just kind of nothing happen in it, but that's 30 days, isn't it? Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's assume they go through an appeal process and, and then it does go to some court of appeal. How long would that take? And, and it sounds like it would probably be pretty, pretty much out the door and, and done fairly quickly after that. Yeah, so just generally at, at the first level of court, that's where you hear the evidence and um, it takes a lot longer because you're going through all of the factual things. Yeah. Usually when you go to a higher level of court, it's a lot quicker because you just argue on the law that the, ju the judge in the earlier decision, not that the facts were wrong, yeah. facts wrong, but something in the law was misapplied. So that would be the argument. So usually it would be like one day, maybe half a day. Okay. So, so it could go a lot quicker. Yeah. Okay. So let's assume it's 31 plus or 31 days from now that, that we decide or the, uh, the courts decide, you know what, there is no appeal decision. This is what's going to happen. So, so in 30 days, it would just be them filing an appeal. Okay. That's okay. And yes. then, and then it actually has to go into court and it has to be heard by a judge or whatever. Yes. Then the applicants would respond and then yeah. there would be procedures. So it would probably take a couple of years or a so year. So that's my issue with, with all of this, because I know right away people are like, and, and now we'll jump to the, the, the meat of this one is what does this mean for the, the Coots for, what does it mean for anybody that was trying to uphold their own constitutional rights Bank accounts uh, frozen equipment seized exactly so is there any way to go back against the government fairly quickly or do we have to wait for that entire process to finish in order for we for us to go and say hey this was already uh unconstitutional and uh, ultra virus and we should be able to get some comp compensation uh we need to get some people out of jail like what would be the process for that? Because I mean, that's quite a quite a big uh, menu of, of items to go through. So the first answer would be no, and I'll go back to um, Chris's uh, uh, example with the Alberta Court of Court that found that um, the pro province enacted public health orders that were ultra virus. So same that's kind right. of okay. situation, and Jeff Rath filed a lawsuit based on that. If the uh, provincial court were to appeal it, which they've said they aren't, you would still have to file. Like that's the lawyer's res responsibility and duty. You don't wait until the last minute uh, or like wait until, okay, let's see what the next court says. So that's just a uh, basic first thing. I wish I could answer all these things and have like, a, you know, um, the future for you. But my understanding, and I don't know the details of the Coots guys, big yeah. My heart goes out to them. Um, I think the worst part of all of this is those publication bans because the public has been kept in the dark yeah. and then nobody what's going on. Not anymore. Well, we've been slowly talking about stuff and oops. we've had, uh, I may have made a little, I may have made an oops okay. and maybe talked well, about something. Maybe okay. allegedly. 
but but that's the part where it's a bit unfortunate because then nobody seems to understand what's going on including myself it's been very hard to be appraised because you don't know but at a basic level and i'm intimately knowledgeable about tamara leeches and chris barber's charges yes those charges, and I think the coots, but a lot of people, and this goes back to whether or not the Emergencies Act was even needed, is all the people that were charged, they were not charged under the Emergencies Act, they were charged under the Criminal Code of Canada. Yeah. So okay. that doesn't per se change anything. In terms of the bank accounts being frozen, possibly. This goes to the question of what are the damages? So, you know, People in Canada that had their bank accounts frozen certainly could look into a a, um, lawsuit against the government for this, but then you have to assess it. Does it make sense? What what are going to be? What is the claim? Same with protesters that you know were very poorly treated, beaten, and you know not great things happened in Ottawa. I still have to look into it. I haven't read the full decision, and I wish I had all the answers, but I. I can't, um, like, these are just some speculations and some uh, preliminary thoughts I have now. Well, here, here's something that is happening and there is some action being taken. So, you know, there's a lot of people that think I've just disappeared and rolled over and I'm not fighting anymore. That's not true at all. Um, the claws are out, the teeth are out, and we are fighting the Alberta government over what they did to Albertans, specifically to Albertans. It was, uh, Quite a while ago, a court ruled that the actions of the Alberta government were not uh, within the scope of the legislation. They were ultra-various of the provincial or, or the, the uh, Alberta Public Health Act. Yeah. So we're fighting mm-hmm. and we have to fight because if we don't, if we don't keep the pressure on the on the politicians and the governments that did these things to us, they will do it again. So me and uh, Rebecca Ingram and Jeff Rath and Ava, we're all fighting this and we're not going to stop until we get something done. So do you want to just fill folks in on uh, what we're doing and how they can find more information and how they can support this initiative? Because I think all of these things are uh, putting pressure on the government are extremely important. Yeah. Uh, And I think it is great. And like, I'm so excited to be working on this because like Chris was explaining in Alberta, what happened, there was an earlier court decision that found that all of the public health orders that were enacted in Alberta were illegal, all mm-hmm. just like this Emergencies Act. So all the mask mandates, all the shutdowns, all of that was illegal. And while, you know, a lot of people um, felt harms, the people impacted financially very significantly were small businesses that were mm-hmm. shut down. They weren't allowed. It was illegal for them to have people in, yeah. in their restaurants, their cafes, their fitness places. And so um, Jeff Rath launched on behalf of businesses in Alberta that were shut down, that experienced uh, losses um, to claim on behalf of, uh, because those public health orders were illegal. So they're, we're claiming damages on behalf of these businesses. And I think this is an excellent opportunity, like Chris is saying, to hold their feet to the fire and to hold them to account and be like, okay, you can't just unilaterally make these decisions (laughs) for the benefit of public health while at the same time financially affecting a, a, a subset 
of the Alberta population, small businesses. They were harmed more than others. So this will be a very interesting case to follow. Uh, we're just in the very preliminary stages of it. So um, we'll, we're just finessing the website. That should be out soon, um, uh, Rath & Co. website. So keep your eyes out. We'll make an announcement. Maybe we could come on here again and have a chat once that's ready. Definitely. And early February. Ah, ah, Jeff we'll is always too busy. He's always too busy. He never returns yeah. my calls. That, that's why I'm around to help return the calls now. So feel free to call. Yeah. Well, like where we're at, and like I'm, I think it's important. I think it's um, the right move to make, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the court's going to do. But we won't see an answer tomorrow. It's going to take some time. And in the meantime, maybe we should start thinking about sticking together. And fighting the real enemies instead of uh, fighting amongst ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I um, I said this a while ago that when I, before I even got involved in any of this, I was like, why aren't more lawyers involved? Why aren't more sophisticated and well-known lawyers, yeah. politicians saying anything? And then when I became kind of a public voice and louder, I was like, well, now I understand. Why is everyone attacking me? What have I done? Like, this has been obviously quite a very challenging time. Not many lawyers have put up their hand and stuck their necks out. And I very much understand why. It's, um, there's, like you said, Chris, uh, it's time to band together and not, there's, you know, let's fight for each other for a better future instead of for each ourselves. So I'm with you on that. Uh, I got a lot of personal growth to do now thanks <laughs> so oh, i i do want to i i do want to acknowledge a few a few people and in, in, in individuals so you know we 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 talked about uh the uh the alberta uh class action against uh, the government for businesses and uh and people affected by the mandates and, and that if this does work federally we were in ottawa and everyone there knows the iconic cafe and they were one of those places that uh, stayed open uh despite you know the vax pass etc they let people in to even warm up it was minus 30 out there and, uh, and the food was great food food was great and they were the ones that were absolutely slaughtered by the media saying that they should be shut down and they were shut down and uh, and that's a horrible thing and i hope that at some point there will be some uh uh retribution from for 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 them having to go through that ordeal i know there's a lot of other places in in and around auto that we that we were dealing with but that seemed to be one that uh, the mainstream media ctvs uh cbc definitely went after and uh and it's a shame that the, that even had to have to have to take place so um but there were a couple of other questions uh that people were asking uh what happened with brendan miller is he what's what's going on with him do you keep in touch or do you know anything yeah all the time uh okay. yeah i think he's one of the most brilliant litigators if i need a lawyer i'm calling brendan miller well there you go <laughs> like there that he was doing the work of five lawyers at a minimum at the yeah. inquiry he uh, you didn't see how much work he was putting in the background yeah. uh, he's around and he's lovely but like i just said 
this is a very difficult position to put yourself into um, a public sphere like this. Not all lawyers do it, and I very much understand why. Yeah. Yeah. And is yeah, that- I, I love Miller. Yeah, another question. Did Tom Morazzo have something to do with the goading Brendan Miller into chasing down that caped mask Nazi flag waver dude in the foyer that last night before Trudeau's testimony? That's- I don't that- I don't understand half of the words, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like let's focus on the good again. Uh, these are, I think, wonderful people. We're this has been the most, and um, Whoops. yeah, it's, it's just, been very challenging, yeah. challenging yeah. time for yeah. everyone. And uh, let's elevate and let's support each other in trying to do the best that we can or more. Um, there should have been. 10 lawyers minimum working with us. Um, we were, it was chaos and uh, I'm very happy to have been part of it, but yeah. you know. And it was very restrictive. Like you said, 10 minutes, like what are you going to really do in 10 minutes? And the government has, um, I think the federal minister of justice. So Lamedi's ministry yeah. only, I, I'm pretty sure they had a budget of get this, one billion dollars a year with a b with a b when we're starting to fight amongst each other and being like those lawyers shouldn't get anything and there's all this we're losing already we're already one billion dollars and this is our money let's focus on the like what the goal is let's focus on the mission let's focus on the future and thank you everyone for the lovely words i appreciate it so much because sometimes i'm like why on earth am i doing this i could just lead a very nice comfortable life here i am in calgary actually just had a lovely dinner and uh, i'm in the hotel room having a conversation with two lovely fellows as well and i i enjoy it but you know i'm doing this out of my own goodwill because i want this for the future of canada it's not for me for all of us i agree well again thank you so much for everything you've done and and everyone on your team and like it's it's when you're thrust into this um like you you're probably a household name or at least our households that uh, anybody that's watching uh in canada i mean you're definitely in the 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 tamara and chris barber realm and keith wilson and you know anybody that's kind of been involved in that way and uh you're you're doing amazing work and i think on behalf of all canadians and certainly all albertans thank you for everything you've done well, I appreciate it. And I'll turn it back to you guys. It takes a team effort and we all have, like I say, a part to play. And I don't mean to, you know, say it in any negative way, but, you know, I'm a lawyer. So let me do my part with this. And I like to be a public voice. I think I can help get the message across, but we all have a role to play and we all need to be involved. They can't just be one person holding the torch no, I agree. to save the day. So it's a team effort. So Carrie and Chris, thank absolutely. you. Thank you. Can I wrap up, Carrie? Sure, absolutely. Because I need hey, to finish well, my, my it's yeah, an extra. I, I got to get to bed. There's cinnamon buns to be made in the morning. We have World's a- falling apart and I'm making cinnamon buns. <laughs> so uh, I actually have an apology to make. 
Go ahead. But first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who continues to watch, who continues to follow what we're doing, who supports uh, what we're doing with the Chris and Carrie Show, with the Alberta Prosperity Project, with Take Back Alberta, with grassroots initiatives all over the place. Um, like, like, like has been said so many times, we just have to work together on the things that we agree on to change things for the better and we'll all benefit. Mm -hmm. But the apology is to those who appreciate tyranny, to those who see the current system that puts the majority of Canadians as subjects, unable to fight for their rights, unable to access justice, for those who benefit from that system that's put the boots to so many Canadians over the years, um, I'm really sorry. Because in my lifetime, uh, with the support of people like the folks that are watching and the ones that aren't watching but will watch tomorrow, mm -hmm. I am going to do everything I can to change some of the, these laws to right the wrongs that have happened and made sure it's never going to happen again. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that in my lifetime. Yeah. And you're going to cry about it. So I, I'm really sorry that your feelings are going to get hurt when we together change some laws, make some new laws and protect Canadians and Albertans from these things ever happening again. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. Everybody get involved. And we've said that over and over and over again. And please do. Yeah. And now it's bedtime. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us on such short notice. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate your efforts. I cannot wait to get to work on some of the other stuff we're going to be uh, doing together in the near future. And you let uh, Mr. Rath know that we're ready to rock and roll. Sounds good. Thanks. Okay. All right. And you're at uh, you at uh, Tucker tomorrow. Is that why you're in Calgary? Or there you go. yeah, Calgary, Edmonton. I'll see you there at both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris, see you I, there. Chris and I'll be in Calgary and in Edmonton for Tucker. So uh, of course we won't be broadcasting live, but I'm sure we'll be talking about it. Maybe we'll do a live as we're driving back from uh, Calgary up to Edmonton. We'll do a little bit of what the synopsis, and then we'll do something after, and then maybe maybe we'll be back drinking beer again on Thursday. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So sounds like a plan. Cheers. Thanks again, everybody. Bye. See you tomorrow. Hey, everyone. Cheers. I don't know what to do, Carrie. Do I press buttons? Are you doing it? Are you pressing buttons? Yeah, I'll press them. <laughs> Good night, everybody.